come and see. Amazing, wonderful words of invitation that we hear this morning. Come, come and see. We hadn't been in Duluth long, maybe a week or so, when late at night when Vaughn and I were still unpacking, it continues 18 years later. <coughs> we were busy in the dining room and there was a rap on the door and we looked out to see our neighbor, Dan Westergren, had made the exchange five or six words. He had come across the driveway when we moved in to say hello, but there really hadn't been the opportunity to visit more than that. It was late, he said, I saw your light and I hope you don't mind that I knocked on your door, but you really have to come and see something. It's a must see. So scratching our heads, it was October, we donned a light coat, went out to see the most amazing Aurora display that we had seen in a long time. I've seen the Aurora in Canada when we've been at our summer place, but this was one of those shimmering green and blue, clear across the horizon things. And we just stood there in awe, in quiet and silence with our new neighbor. We were so glad that he had said, come, it's a must see, you gotta see this. We're glad we had some lights on and that he knocked. Another friend, Dan, very long ago, who worked with some kids in Pittsburgh that had experienced some tough times, difficult family situations. They found it tough to be in school and had kind of dropped out. They hung together, but they weren't always necessarily the best influence with one another. And Dan said, you know, I've learned so much of these kids and building a relationship but it's just with the guys. And I was wondering if you would come and see what we're doing and if you would think about spending time with the girls. And I had no idea what I might be getting into. So the secret was I needed to go with Dan to go, to come with him, to see, to see the guys he was hanging out with, to meet the sisters and to see if it was even possible and if I could drum up the courage to do something new. And sure enough, it was about building new relationships. It was about getting to know these girls. And it changed my relationship to seminary for sure. These kids were known for coming to me and saying, what does your Jesus have to do with me? And I'm like, give me a moment. Run, run, run. <laughs> Grounding in seminary was found through spending time with these kids. In our text this morning, John has been busy baptizing. It's been going on for days. We even see it in the, in the text here. On this day, John, and then again the next day with Jesus. This is days that this is going on. What's happened for John is he's developed a following of folks that are amazed to hear the words that he's sharing, amazed to hear that there was hope that was found in being baptized, that was found in repenting, that there was possibility of change and cleanse and something new. And this was building to a crescendo, a group following John, wanting to hang on his words, wondering, is this the one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the promised one that we've been waiting for? Look at the signs. People are changed. People are being baptized. Lives are changed. We need to follow him. This is the one. And we enter into the story, Jesus was baptized earlier, and I think I see John pausing in the midst of baptisms, 
to look around to see who's present, to see who's gathered, to look and see the impact of the baptisms that have been going on, the cleansing and the repentance, to notice the woman that had come with hope in her eye for change, and to notice the lame man who had come hoping that someone would see him and help him get into the water for baptism. And he sees, there's a lot of looking and seeing in this text, he sees Jesus. He outs Jesus publicly this day. To the disciples following, he says, I am not the one, he is. Come here, look, I want to point him out to you. You see him? That's the one, that's the one, that's the Messiah, that's the anointed one. I'm not worthy to even fix his sandals. He is the one. Look. Can you imagine that moment? John with those gathered with him, sitting by the side of the river. And Jesus, I don't know, he's been part of the crowd, he's been present. And suddenly all eyes are turning upon this man, Jesus. And John with a powerful voice says, I am not the one, but that is the one. With that, some of the disciples decide to shadow Jesus. And John encourages this, go. Follow him, see. And I can only imagine again the glimpses that they begin to get of this Jesus by following him, probably still at the river, as he is looking into the crowds, he's looking into the faces of those that are hoping for love to be let loose in their midst. The rabbis were not in the habit of touching and holding people because of the law, it could be very dangerous. Someone might be ill, and that would be breaking the law to hold them. Someone might be near death, and that was even worse. And we know that there were issues about women touching, listening to women. And I bet that's what they began to see. They shadowed Jesus and began to see a man who did things that brought back to the law, the heart of the law, love and relationship and a new covenant. So they saw him, I believe, holding and listening. He was a big listener. Seeing looking, not missing a thing, and smiling and laughing? Is there a chance that Jesus might have leaned over to the river and thrown some water into someone's face? <laughs> Up into the air with joy? Interesting turn here, they're shadowing Jesus. He turns and he sees them. Jesus doesn't miss a thing. He's been noticing these guys kind of hanging back in the shadows or on the sides, watching him. And the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John are this. What are you looking for? The first words. First thing Jesus says, not I am Messiah, I am the one. It's what are you looking for? And these words have hung with me all week. Because I have a feeling all my life I've been trying to answer that question. It's like the one that says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm still trying to figure that out. What are you looking for? The heart of our culture and our world. Oh, the avenues people go down to try to answer this question. What the heck are you looking for? What are you seeking? And I think at this moment they're thinking, oh, signs. We want to see signs and miracles. We want to know you're the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. We want to follow you, but we want some signs here. We saw that with John. He was baptizing. Big things happened. But we want to see other signs. Are you being revealed today to be the Messiah? 
This question that needs to resound with us though, not to rush past it quickly. What is it that we're looking for and that we're seeking in our lives? It's a question we are to keep in our pocket this Sunday into the week, because I think, I think we need to find the answer to that. What are we looking for? And how does that fit with our walking with Jesus? We're looking for answers maybe, we're looking for healing, we're looking for hope, resolve, world peace. What are we today bringing into this room that we hope Christ can answer for us? What is it that we're seeking? So Jesus again says to them, once they ask him a strange question, which is where are you staying? I'm not sure that I get that question other than maybe they have some things to resolve and tomorrow they'll come find Jesus once they resolve that. Nonetheless, Jesus' word to them after shadowing, after maybe silence about what is it that you seek, he says, come. Come and see. Come and see. Friday with the service for Joan, I was sifting through some scriptures for our opening phrases of the service. And I was so moved to once again come to the passage that says that Jesus said, Come to me, all who are labored and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Ooh, that's what I'm seeking, brothers and sisters. Come, Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, who are labored, who are burdened, and to you I offer rest. Been holding on to those words, too. Now we know Joan has experienced that. She's experienced the love and the rest with Jesus. Again, balancing out these avenues that we see friends and families seeking out. Is it power? Is it wealth? Is it gated security? Is it standing far from God and pushing God off? What is it that our world seeks in the face of the fried nature of things? the brokenness. Reading again yesterday of increase of suicide amongst young African-American men. What is going on? What is this? What is it that our world is seeking? What are we seeking? And how will we respond to that question that Jesus raises? So we need to come and see. The first thing with come it's not just a general, oh, come, be with me. It's a deeper word, meadow, that means I want you to come and abide with me. This particular come is much deeper. Come and abide, stay, be. I want you to remain with me. I want you to be with me. I want you to build a relationship, to dwell and to know stability through being with me. That's the depth of meadow in this text where Jesus invites us to come, come to relationship, come to remain with me, come to be found. We're seeking. Jesus offers being found, found by the creator, the sustainer, the ones who knows every inch of you and me, every inch, every wrinkle, every gray hair. Jesus knows this. Our creator God who sustains us knows and the invitation to all, do we consider this? Everybody. There's not just a designated list. 
you and I and the entire world have been invited to come and be in relationship to abide with this Christ. Not dependent at all upon what we wear, where we live, what we make, what we do. It's an open invitation to faith, to believing in, to remaining and walking with this Jesus. Simply ask that we come and be with him. Come. And then the second word that jumps out with this is see. And it is noticing, it is glimpsing, but in this Greek word, it's also recognizing. It's not just a glimpse and a notice, but it's as we sang at the beginning of the service, oh Lord, open my eyes that I might see. That Jesus opens our eyes to see the depth, to see the reality, to see the truth, to see the need for relationship, to see the need for community, for support, and it's the wonder of the Holy Spirit. This is all a God-gift thing. To have a relationship, to see, to come, it's woven with the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God that we hear the call, that we're open to that call, that we come and can remain in relationship, that we are given eyes to see. Thank heavens, not dependent upon my glasses. A seeing of a deeper nature. Had an opportunity this week in so many ways to see where God is at work. And that's our call, is to notice, where's God at work? In your life? Our life together? Beyond us? It was one of those weeks where I had those moments to pray with Joe Roth with Paul Hoff, with Glenn and, and Barb Coyle, with Bob and Priscilla Knighton. It was a week to weave prayer with these people. And when people are in this deep, deep need of knowing God's presence because their lives are surrounded with cancer, with questions, man, when you reach out and gather hands and bow your heads to pray, you know that Jesus is there in that I felt that. Every time we clasp the hands, that seemed to be the central point. Claps, clasp the hands, bow our heads. <clears throat> to do that with Priscilla, with ALS, where you hold her hand and she is now completely bent over, can't communicate on a ventilator. But the grasp of her hand told me that God was present with us. That is noticing God in our lives and in our world around us. When we're together, two or three, there God is. When we're serving in the community, two or three, there God is. And it's known and felt. I saw it Wednesday at dinner. There is the great meal that I watched as people visited around tables and greeted one another. I watched someone stay who hasn't stayed before and get engaged in the game and I thought, ooh, I think I see God here tonight. Not that God isn't always there, but sometimes you just see it. I want to say it. Um, then the service Friday for Joan, a family clearly here because this was a place that was important to Joan, and therefore they felt like she was present, and that they were held here in the midst of a community of faith, and they felt safe. It's what we offer one another at those times, a safe place here. Where is God? Gosh, God was everywhere this week. Yep, he's the one. He's the one. 
that John so clearly pointed out. And for a moment, what did the disciples see after they started walking with Jesus? John tells us, gives us some clues. There's great joy, John writes, at a wedding. Jesus drinking wine, making sure there's enough for all. His mother's with him, he's with his family there. And there's laughter and there's storytelling. Jesus, I love that picture of the smiling Jesus that we rarely hang in Presbyterian churches. But there's a great one of Jesus just, just a wholehearted guffaw. I think we need to find that picture and hang it up. That Jesus laughed, that Jesus loved to be at occasions and celebrations. Then we read in John a night when a religious leader came to Jesus with questions and Jesus listened and responded and listened and responded and in the night this man left and we're unsure what the end was of the story but nonetheless he was with Jesus at night and Jesus was there with him and then we read of a woman who was a Samaritan and she had had a really troubled life most of it not of her own making but in the midst of trauma and a loneliness and a sorrow, knowing no one wanted to be with her. She sits at a well and Jesus finds her. And he listens and talks. She forgets her jug. That's why she was there to get water. She goes running. You can just see it. She's tearing back into town. She doesn't care if nobody likes her. She comes with the news. You have to come and see this is the one. Come. The village comes and scripture says half of the village came to believe in Jesus through this woman because she forgot her jug ran back to town to tell. And this is the news of Andrew coming to get his brother, bringing him to Jesus. And the end of this passage is you and me. We know this story. And in this fried, broken world where people were seeking down different avenues, how to find peace and hope. You and I know what this peace and hope and love is. And we need to share it. I know in reticent northern Minnesota, this is tough work. This is not easy. But we need to realize that we are people who know of light and hope, and we can't contain that. You can't put a light underneath the bushel basket it is to shine something wonderful i found with martin luther king this being the weekend and events where we remember him you've seen some of this before returning hate for hate multiplies hate adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You and I know of one who comes and promises love and hope and resolution and peace and someone that walks with us even in our traumas and our loneliness and our questions. And we cannot keep that to ourselves. We have a responsibility to share that good news. And from Nelson Mandela, a man who knew the struggle with courage, Talk about being in prison for a huge portion of your life. I have learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave one is not the one who doesn't feel afraid, but the one who conquers that fear. 
Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is with us, and we are not alone. We are together, and we are offered the invitation to come to a Jesus, and we cannot keep it to ourselves. You are lights, and we need to share it. There's not a method to this. It's not something we teach one another about. It's like my neighbor just got a puppy, Beth Bartlett. First thing on Facebook is you've got to come over and see the puppy. I'm looking forward to seeing the puppy. A young man in our former parish, Nathaniel, the first child born to he and his wife. It's all over Facebook. You've got to see this little girl. Brothers and sisters, we have good news. <laughs> we have one who loves us and knows us and we are forgiven and we have all the hope, no matter what the trauma is. And we need to say, come. Come here to Glen Avon. Join us on Wednesday night. There'll be laughs, there'll be food, and there's something that will happen, and we can promise that because that's what happens when we're resting in the Spirit. Come to the sleigh ride and see if we can talk shop. We promise to have fun, that we'll be together in fellowship. Oh, come on over. Come to worship. Come to the mystery dinner. Come and be with us at Bible study because there is something that you and I know and share and become a part of, if it's a Habitat or Damiano or like us, the list goes on. This is a must-see thing. And we need to share that with our family and our friends. So come and taste of the Lord, for it is good. So Juan and I have shared before in closing that one of the most amazing experiences when we first moved to Duluth I think Rhonda and Dave Rutford started this trouble for us. Where did David go? Oh. Um, invited us to go to Chester Bowl and to get our kids involved with the skiing there. And I remember how bumbling awful our first night was trying to get our boots on. And I mean, we were, I had skied a long time ago in the land far away. So it was like learning all over again, getting our skids. And by the time I'm out there, I'm almost in tears when I meet these people who are so full of joy. And all we wanted to do was encourage us, saying, you can do this. You can do this. This is going to be fun. And we'll be with you. We'll even ski backwards in front of you to catch you. But we want you to be involved with us because this is, it was so evangelistic. I thought I was being converted to skiing. <laughs> and yet what it taught me was the great joy because they love this. They love to teach. They love to get you engaged in learning and to be outside in this winter. We love Jesus? Don't we love what has happened in our community? The marks we bear, but also the joy that we've experienced and the life that we've had together? Don't keep it to yourselves. There's a world in desperate need to hear of hope, of joy. So, brothers and sisters, be of good courage because indeed, He's the one. Let's pray. We sing, grant us wisdom and grant us courage for the facing of this hour. Lord, grant us your courage and wisdom that in this hour of great need in our world, we might be willing to be the light and to be the voice that invites people to come and know you. Show us, open our eyes, give us ears to hear, 
And we give you great thanks that you are at work in our midst and we have great things to point to. So be with us, Lord, through the wonder of your spirit, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen.